Welcome to the family with Andy Brant Bernard. Uh, Officer Dave's supposed to be coming in. Uh, Dennis Lehane's going to pop on in a bit. Uh, but Catherine and Alex aren't here. What a shock. Nope. Shock of the century. Um, <clears throat> I'm just looking at the highlights of the national news this morning. It is politics, politics. There's politics there. Politics over here. It's all politics. So what are you supposed to do if the newswire doesn't deliver just straight news? They're trying to get you to vote for, you know, one way or the other. You don't use that wire. I guess it, I just can't. I, but there's not one you can really use because every one of them is all about just talking politics. Mm, now. News breaks pretty good. Largest flea market in Minnesota tomorrow. That's right. I got I, I to remember we Haven? do have. Yeah, South Haven Mall probably. Wow, that is a big flea market. That would be my guess in any case. Oh, okay, what uh, have we got? Oh, yeah. Bilski's calling me. Hold on. Turn my mic off. Uh, I'm back. Okay. I said, well, Mike Bilski called me. I was, talk, I was talking to Bilski. Who were you, you just sure talking to? Were. I was just talking. Oh, I thought you were talking to somebody else. About, fill the silence. I understand completely. Um, I'm just looking. One of the now I was just talking to Bilski about some stuff. Uh, Mike Bilski is one of the biggest advertisers on the morning show and on this show. And we were going to go golfing today, but now he can't go. And you know what I'm saying? I do. What are you going to do? But, yeah, I'm looking, and basically man, Minneapolis man sentenced for violent armed robbery spree. We could read that one if you want Is to. this the guy from Dassel? I don't know. I'll find or out. Is this a different Minnesota man? So was the guy from Dassel was robbing stores? He, there was a standoff. It didn't say that he robbed anything. There was a standoff at his rural residence in Dassel. Oh, it is. Okay, this guy. It says go to publishers. What? Minneapolis man. It must be different. Must be. Minneapolis man sentenced for violent armed robbery spree, WJON News. A man, a Minneapolis man was sentenced to seven years in prison for his role in three armed robberies of Minneapolis businesses. Why do you think it is, Andy, right now? Is it because the cops have been told to back off on everything? That now these guys think they can just rob everybody they want to? It's, well, yeah, it's because the DAs let them go. The judges don't sentence him to anything. They're in prison for, like, you know, three minutes. Right, right. It's only once they've done, like, multiple different violent crimes that they actually end up going to prison for more than a maybe a couple years. No, you're absolutely right. According to court documents, on March 31st, 2022, 23-year-old Matthew Howell entered a Dollar City Plus a retail store in Minneapolis while an unidentified co-conspirator waited outside as a lookout. Howell pulled a handgun and aimed it at the uh, store owner who was behind the counter, demanded money from the register. As Howell uh, was ordering the employees to move faster, he fired the gun in the direction of the store owner, causing a bullet to graze the store owner's neck. So he, he was trying to kill the store owner for no reason. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean he was trying to. He just well, might have fired a warning shot, which is illegal, by the way. You're not allowed to do that. But head-high warning shot? When you shoot those up in the air? don't think this guy was terribly intelligent. He's a moron. If I had to guess. Him. After firing the shot, Howell went behind the counter, opened the register, and took approximately $1,200. Howell left the store and fled on foot. Isn't that amazing? All of this over 1200 bucks. Now, I understand 1200 bucks is a decent amount of money, but is it worth going to prison for the next seven years, which he's going to do? Well, that's the thing. And also, you have to give it back, I believe. Oh, I'm sure you do. So, yeah. But, I mean, seriously, why on earth would you rob a store risking seven years in prison because you fired a gun at someone and grazed their neck? 
Uh, I just, what kind of, are people that stupid? Uh, yes. Isn't that sad that people are that stupid? Yeah, I think this guy might not uh, be very smart. Yeah, sure doesn't look like it. Based just, on his behavior. Well, I think Dave might be here. Why, is he knocking on the door? I heard something. You want me to go look? Happening out there. Yeah, he'll come in. That should be. But it should, he, he should have been in by now, I would think. It is 1030. I know. We start, he's, we're 10 minutes into the show already, and he's not here. That's stiff. Mm. I said stiff. Did you hear me? I did. Uh, it says, how come he only received seven years for three violent armed robberies? No, that's a good point. He got seven years, three armed robberies. Uh, it should have been seven years apiece. He should be doing 21 years in prison, don't you think? Yeah, but like I said, they just let you do whatever you want. No, but I just don't understand why they, I just don't, why don't we want law and order? What is the upside of not having law and order? I, I think it's just people are so short-sighted. They think that the problems in society are caused by, you know, laws and punishments and that sort of thing. So they're like, let's just get rid of them. And then things go to hell and then they put them back and then things are good for a while. And then again, people forget. See, I was very, very lucky. When I was uh, about 20 years old, my friend got out of, uh, came home from Vietnam, and we were wandering around, and we were, it was like 5 o'clock in the morning in the summer, so it was light out, but it was still only 5 o'clock in the morning. So the cops showed up and started interviewing us, and uh, they took my buddy down the, down the street a little bit and sounded like there was a little rough action going on. But... Um, they said, cops said to me, look, I mean, you can, you know, be an asshole like your buddy just was, or you can just go home, uh, take it easy and be no problem. So I was literally warned before they went after me. So I said, yeah, good idea. I'm headed to the house, right? Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. 
You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We have Dennis on the line. Dennis, how are you, sir? Good. How you doing, Tom? Uh, well, now that I get to talk to you twice in the same week, I'm very excited because I do a morning show, and but I also do a, 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 a show with my family. My son was the one that answered the phone. And uh, as we've already talked about, ladies and gentlemen, know this, that Dennis Lehane's one of my favorite actors of all time. I've read every damn book he's ever written. I've seen all his movies. I just, you know... I, uh, what else can I say, Dennis? I'm just a huge fan, and I just—it's so great. You just told me the other day. I think uh, the f- first book came out. What did you say? Ninety-five. Ninety-four. Ninety-four. Yeah. So there you go. But I mean, it's—it's yeah. it's so terrific. I do uh, from Jump. I want to hear about the the new book. What's going on? What's the latest? Sure. Uh, what would you like to hear about? I just whatever you want to tell me about because I, I just what I try to do is, you know, find out a little bit about what's going on, but not revealing too much, you know. Um, well, the new book is, is uh, Small Mercies. is a, set in 1974, in the summer of 1974 in Boston. And that's when, uh, by court order, the, the public schools, South Boston High School and Roxbury High School, were uh, desegregated and, under court order, were told to swap about 50% of their school population by bus. And it was called for, uh, forced busing was one of the ways that they spoke about it. Right. Uh, and this that summer, the city just exploded. It just lost its mind. And um, th- this is about a woman who, on the eve of her daughter being bused across the city, that daughter doesn't come home one night. Oh. And this woman, Mary Pat Fennis, who's a project mom, starts to go looking for her. And simultaneously, a young African-American dies in a a subway station. And the two events may or may not be connected. And it's about really about Mary Pat's external journey to find her daughter and her internal journey to discover the the terrible legacy and price of her own racism. That's a hell of a story, Dennis. I mean, like I said, I'm a huge fan, so I pretty much have to tell you that I've thought uh, everything you've ever written is really great stuff, no doubt about that. But, I mean, one of the reasons I'm reacting the way I'm, I'm reacting right now is the um, – I had my, my wife left town this morning. She's going to be gone for about four days. And before leaving town, she said, do yourself a favor. And she actually – because I didn't know you were going to be on the show today, so this is great for me. She literally said, why don't you – why don't you read Dennis Lehane's new book? It'll make you much happier. I don't want I don't want you watching Fox or CNN or MS. I don't want you watching any of those news channels because um, what what you're talking about is trying to make the world a better place, and what they're talking about right now is making more money. That's all you know. That so it's great to hear you're you're you know kind of stepping up and making a story out of things that might actually benefit us rather than. You know, we might teach us one one or two things. So I, I think it's just a great idea. Do you think, and I, I probably know the answer to this, Mr. Lehane, but do you think we're ever going to get off of this? 
I hate you because you don't agree with me thing that we're in right now? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think there's a, there's not any profit. You know, um, what was it? Let, Les Moondas said, who used to run CBS, mm-hmm. he said uh, during the, the 2016 election, you know, Donald Trump is bad for the country, but he's good for ratings. Yeah. And I just find that one of the most dis- one of the most despicable things I ever heard. Oh, so you're going to let the country go down the tank so that you can, what, put gold faucets in your yacht? Like, <laughs> I don't get it. I just don't get Where's the greed end? And... And the fact that it's using the same playbook that has been used, that's used in my book, that's been used forever, which is how do you get the poor um, to fight amongst themselves so they won't look at the reality of the situation, which is that all people are laughing at them as they scrape up every last dollar they can. And, you know, we are, this is, I'm not a big science fiction buff, but I like a couple of science fiction movies Mm -hmm. and you know, this is Blade. Everybody's trying to build off world so they can lead the rest of us down here in the crap. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I've never seen it. I, I know everybody thinks their time is the time that is the worst. Right. And I used to be super hopeful about this country, but I think, um, I think it's after nine 11 and, and I don't know if there's any way back. I think, that was the death of any type of all of this together kind of feeling. Uh, that was the death of any sort of global goodwill was 9-11. It sure seems like it. There's no question. I mean, the last time I talked to you a couple of days ago, we talked about loving Boston, about loving Minneapolis-St. Paul. I, I don't want to talk to people anymore, Mr. Lehane, about uh, this person's pissed off. And, and the, the word I'm really tired of, and I guess I, I grew up in the inner city, so I could never do this to myself. I could never admit that you victimized me or you harmed me in some way, unless it was really true and it was a big deal. Right. I would never admit that right. you victimized me. No way. Not a chance. Right. Right. All these people running around with their victim complexes who are, are, are like, you know, what was it? I, I mean, <laughs> I... I'm sorry. I just I shudder to think about like like how staggeringly and I know some of these people well and I'm like, oh, what are you the victim of? Right. Four choices. <laughs> you know, go blame your, you know, go blame that stupid moment decided that you know what I don't really need a high school education. Like you've got all the benefits in the world, you know, and and you're going to tell yourself a narrative that the game is rigged against you for special interests and minorities. It's just ridiculous. No, it's absolutely ridiculous. I and know. I think the one, thing, the one thing that I always think of is is Sumner Redstone's line. You know, if it's not about the money, it's about the money. <laughs> and when and when people say, you know, when people when people ascribe all these various motives to why people are doing something, I always say, where's the profit? Where's the profit? Where's the money? Right. And you can. And plenty of money in the people who are saying to people, oh, it's, 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 um, make America great again. You know what I mean? There's, that's, that's just plenty of money there. Um, but you can't find a lot of money in, say, Greenpeace. No. No. Let's just look at 
one little thing. I'm not saying about pro Greenpeace or not, but when you look at some of these these people, these organizations that are vilified, and you go because they're trying to, like I don't know, help the environment. Well, is that where's the money? Where's the money? Right. There's no money in it. So yep. they must be coming from an honest place. Whether they're right or wrong, they're coming from an honest place. So I, I don't. I it's just bananas right now. It is. I'm kind of hoping. Now, basically, I don't want to put too much pressure on you and all the other great authors out there. But um, as an example, uh, like I said, my wife left town uh, this morning. So we got together last night, had a little bit of talk. And she did point out to me, because I got a little bit of an edge to me because of where I grew up. I do understand that. So when I do watch the news, I take it kind of personally. I might get a little over the top with this. This is just they're poisoning the air. They're trying to make money and blah, blah, blah. And she said, why don't you do what you always do? And walked over to me and handed me six books. Not one, not two, but six books. She said, Tom, everything you ever learned is from these, not from watching television news. I think she made a great point. Unless you read and learn by yourself, for yourself, by doing a lot of reading, you're missing the whole damn point, I think. Yeah, and there used to be something called context. You know what I mean? We used to know... Like if you read something in the New York Times or if you read something, even in, you know, plenty of conservative presses, you know, like um, uh, throw one at me. What the, the Na- God, I don't even the know. One, uh, no, like the National Review or oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. think of, you know, when you read George Will or you read William F. Buckley or you, read, you know, you knew that there was a context to it. This was an educated human being. Yeah. who was asking questions you may not agree with or, or coming to conclusions you may not agree with. But they were well-reasoned. They were factually based. There was, there was, a, there was a way of dealing with it. Ever since the Internet, any moron with, with a keyboard can write whatever they want, and it's out there. And people say, oh, well, I read that. You know, um, you know there's, there's, they're, selling child, uh, they're selling children out of the bottom of a pizza parlor. Wasn't that the bullshit? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, th- that, it, there's no context to any of it. There's nobody is sitting there saying, well, that came from X source, so that must be legitimate. There's none of that anymore. It's just a bunch of people screaming into the echo chamber. No doubt about it. Andy, my uh, 36-year-old son, is here, too. What do you think of this, Andy? I mean, you're of that age where they're, they're talking directly to you. Yep. So what do you think of that? I don't think it's good. <laughs> I don't think he wants to talk about this, Dennis, because, yeah, he, uh, my son, luckily, he's like his mother. He's a very smart kid, so thank God he didn't take after me on this deal. But mm. we have a lot of nice talks about this whole deal. His generation talking to my generation about, you know, which way we're headed and all the rest of this stuff. Are people, uh, I think you would probably know a lot more than I would about this, are people still going out and, and you know, whether it's, Read it on the internet, picking up the book. I am one of those kind of guys, Dennis. I have to hold the book in my hand because I enjoy it much more to read an actual book. Is that is that normal anymore? Yeah, we're old. yeah we're, I mean, we're fossils. You know what I mean? We're fossils. <laughs> Just deal with it. <laughs> so I have uh, to accept it. Yeah, so I'm the same. My my daughters look at me like, what? They, they, they don't get it now. <laughs> you know, they constantly say, why do you have all these books? I have all these books. Like, yeah, you, know, you can, you know, just put it all on one little iPad. What the hell? Um, yeah. So yeah, we're 
we're vanishing, my friend. But it's so nice, and I'm sorry, I don't want to get way over the top on this or not, but it is a very, very important thing to me uh, to pick up a book, to open that book. i got to take a little break. i got a little, you know, I, I save the page, all the rest of it. It's how I've all, I've pretty much learned everything I've ever learned by either sitting in class or reading a book. Now, when I go on the Internet, I have a very difficult time getting to the stuff that would be considered educational because there's so... Well, there was a guy this morning, Dennis, or yesterday he actually did it. He took a light plane and crashed it. Uh, I didn't read any more of the story because it got a little too, you know, dismal for me. But he crashed the airplane, had somebody film it just so he could get hits on his site. That's true. Yeah, I got no trouble believing that. <laughs> I just, you're crashing an airplane just to draw attention to yourself? Really? Oh, yeah, Trevor Jacob. Trevor Jacob's the guy that did it. That's exactly right. Nobody got hurt, did they? I'm hoping. Uh, I don't think so. Doesn't look like they did, but. He could face up to 20 years in prison. Oh, God. Hmm, that's not very smart. Okay, so, Dennis, why, how can people that, how old is he, Andy? Uh, 29. 29 years old, and he does, He can't reason any better than to know that if he crashes an airplane, he's going to end up in prison. Over, I think he got like three million hits on it. So there yeah, must yeah, about three. Was it like a dollar a hit? Does that is he, is he making two three million? No, off it's of not it? a dollar a hit. It's I'd, probably a dollar per ten thousand, maybe. That's it. So thousand, he's not going to make money. I'm not really sure. Not going to make a lot of money anyway. Not enough to make twenty years in prison worth it. No, I wouldn't think. I just so I. I so, Dennis, you really, because I've heard many, many people say we're never going to make it at least all the way back from where we are now. God, I hope that's not true. We don't need people crashing airplanes for hits. What do you think? Well, I think that's, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, duh. Like, that's what I think. I mean, you know, uh, yes. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not one to be sitting here speaking about the the, the future of the country or right. the, or the future of culture. It's just not. I mean, I, I don't relate to almost any of it. I don't grasp almost any of it. I don't engage social media. I don't. I don't have any. You know, I don't have any relationship with any of it. I, I see it to my kids. Yeah, you know, right, right. but you know, they roll their eyes at me because I'm hopeless. And and I, I have the luxury of living that way you know yep. because i can choose it i was i wasn't bought you know i wasn't neo i wasn't born in the matrix you know so i i was unplugged since birth so my my kids were plugged since birth they were plugged in since birth yes and i think that's a it's a very different way of of, of living in the world and there i see a big gulf because I ask questions that they, they they can't even grasp the question. Like uh, like when you're talking about TikTok or hits or something like that, you know, I'll be like, um, "Why do you care?" Right. And How old like, are your what? kids? What you know? I got an 11 year old and a 13 year old. Oh well, yeah. At that age, they don't know why they like things; they just like them. Yeah, but I'm talking about like like their the currency they give to likes, the currency they give to yeah. you know Insta hurt, you know what a friend of mine calls Instagram, and and I just 
you know, when I say that, they just look at me like from another planet. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, of course, uncool dad, you know, like, just, <laughs> just doesn't get, like, and, and they're like, you know, my daughter found out how many followers I have, sort of Twitter account that I don't even know about, but I think my publisher runs it, you know, mm-hmm. and she was like, dad, you got such and such number of followers. And I'm like, I don't know them. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it doesn't mean anything to me. There's no currency with me, but it means everything to to young kids these days. So, again, when I say phrases like young kids these days, I, I feel old. <laughs> I should be on a rock. And, uh, but I embrace it. I don't, the one thing I don't do is try to even pretend or live with the illusion that I'm remotely cool anymore or remotely connected to this culture. Probably I, a good I, idea. I'm not. So a question I do have for you there, because, again, uh, I know I, every time I talk to you, I kind of fawn over you, which I'm sorry if it sounds like that. I'm just a big fan. Uh, you build characters beautifully. I mean, that's one thing I love about your writing. I did from the very first time I picked up Thank one you. of your books. You build characters brilliantly. How do you build characters for new books if you're going with, let's say, a 25- or 30-year-old character? Is it harder to do now, or just that's what you do, so you build the character around what you think and maybe use a couple of little bits of examples? How do you do that now? You know, it depends. I mean, some people are completely in my wheelhouse. You know, like Mary Pat uh, Fantasy, who's the the lead character in this book. She's 100% in my wheelhouse. I knew a lot of women like that growing Uh up. I knew a lot of tough, chain-smoking you know, street brawling, project brawl. You know what I mean? Like yep. that, was, that was their vibe. Like, um, and so she was. She was a wheelhouse character. Bobby Coyne is the police officer in Small Mercies. Wheelhouse character, somewhat of a stand-in for me. And um, you know that uh, that world, that world of um, you know Irish immigrant culture, the, the, the children of Irish immigrants in in America is in a northeastern city that's that's my comfort zone so i can write any character in the world in that world um where say i may have to do a little bit more work would be rachel child in my previous book since we fell who was a 30-ish uh young woman um kind of from a a more uh, upscale um background uh, mm-hmm. she she been a famous psychiatrist and uh that character would take a, a little bit more work, but where I lock in is you lock in on universal things. So I seem to be very solid ground locking in on people who are, for whatever reason, psychologically or or physically, they're isolated. They're outside the glass. They're exiled in some way. Or um, they're just cut off a little bit from the tribe. And and I think I write about that consistently. If you look at my books, mm-hmm. going back all the way to the Patrick Henry, that is a commonality in my characters. I don't write from an insider's perspective. Right. Like I could never write Succession. I could never write Succession. Never. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a show told from an insider's perspective, and I don't have that. I'm the I'm the guy who I could write the the perspective of the guy who washes the cars of that family on succession. You know, that's, that's where I can get in. Right. So, um, yeah. So when I tap in there, when I tap into that kind of vein of every one of my characters, um, then I'm, 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 
I'm I'm on. You know, I'm, I I hit the gas and I can I can do it. I can I can write very. You know, I take. There's two things I'm not falsely modest about. You know, is uh, or 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 truly modest about. Like there's some things you'll uh, somebody will give me a compliment about something. I'll be like, really? No, really? You think so? Uh, but you know, if you say to me you write really good dialogue, you write really good char- characters. After 30 years of doing this, I'll be like, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Yeah, well, you do know what you're doing. I still gotta. Is it is it beneficial at all for for authors of of your stature to do book tours? I don't know. I think that's a question for a publisher. I decided yeah. not to do one this time, but I just have. I have too many balls in the air. There's right. too much going on. And so I'm happy to do, I told them, I'm happy to do any media you want. Whatever you need, I'm there. Um, but I, I really don't want to be getting up and on and off pl- planes as much as yeah. if I teleport. My favorite thing in the world as a writer, outside of the writing of the book, is to meet fans who are into my work. Like, who come up and ask me to sign their books. Mm-hmm. Which I find, I was with this famous author once. Somebody came up and said, "Would you sign this?" And it was a battered paperback. And he said, "I don't sign paperbacks." Ooh. And I was like, I, "I almost grew up." <laughs> I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> this person, you, with a well-worn, well-loved paperback that was probably the only book they could afford, and 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 you don't treat that with extreme gratitude, respect, like anybody comes up to me a homeless guy stopped me in seattle once i was getting out i was about to go into a sign-in this homeless guy came up to me he said i stayed outside because they they don't want me inside but i just want to tell you that mr griver was my story thank you oh and i said i said you're coming in dude and i'm buying you a book you know like (laughs) like that's what you live for you know that's that's so beautiful to me that that you connected with with somebody who read your book across the ages, and I feel that as a reader as well. I was just I reached just reached out. One of my my benefits of being me is I reached out to this this woman Claire Keegan, who's an Irish writer whose work I discovered this past two years, and I've read everything she's read now twice, and and I reached out to tell her what it meant to me because she reached across an ocean and connected with somebody from rural Ireland to Southern California. And she completely connected like a main line to my human experience, to her human experience. And, and when that happens, that's magic. That's why you do it. No doubt about it. I know you, but we've got, I know you got to go on to the next situation, but I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, um, I don't know where you learned to be so even keel. If it was in your family, did your parents teach you? I mean, just to hear somebody being grateful is very unusual these days, Dennis. So it's wonderful to hear a person of your stature who's grateful for their position. I, I think it's a great lesson for people. Well, I mean, look, my old man worked 35 years for Sears and Roebuck. stuck in the shadow of Fenway Park. And Ooh. I'm pretty sure the bloom came off the rose on that job about week two. <laughs> and he had to go and he had to take the friggin' subway and every day and do that job and to put food on the table for his family so we could live better than he did. Yep. And, and people want to complain about how hard 
when I hear other writers complain, I remember me and George Pelicanos, also the son of an immigrant, uh, ganging up on this one writer who was whining about how tough the job was. And, we're, and George was like, try, and I'm like, try working at Sears. Like, shut up. Like, we get to make stuff up. It's the greatest job in the world. And every now and then, people will come to you and say, you moved me, or you changed me, or you just connected with me, or I understood what I said to this, this writer, Claire Kagan. I understand my mother better because of your work. You know, like, yeah. like that's incredible. And, and so I am, yes, I'm endlessly grateful for the life I have. I am endlessly grateful for the fact that I'm so tired of people who say, you know, make America great again or whatever. America is great. America gave my father... Mm-hmm. An immigrant raise five children and give them a better life than he ever had. That was America, and that is America. And I am so. And and you know what? He was proud to pay his taxes, and that's and that's something that I believe in mm-hmm. deeply. That's America. See, that's such a wonderful thing. And I'm telling you, honestly, oh, no. Dennis, I'll probably have to reach out to you every week now because you make me feel better with these interviews. <laughs> <laughs> He just like Dennis. Please do keep writing for the rest of your life, so I have something to read the rest of my life. How about that? I'll do what I can. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Dennis. Great talking to you, sir. Come back soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. What's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether or not you decide you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy (laughs) if i'm hanging out with you Uh, maybe (laughs) (laughs) okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Dennis Lehane, ladies and gentlemen, if you've never read one of his books, get out there and buy one today and get it done because he has, honestly, God, after talk, first of all, Dennis Lehane does, 
generally six to seven to eight minute interviews. He was just on with us for 25 minutes. Yes, he was. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, did, uh, some, now this boy has sold. Would you, look, would you look up and see how many books he's sold over the years? It's a ton of books. He's written tons of bestsellers. He's a great writer. And now after, after talking to him uh, on the morning show earlier this week and now on this show, I know why. Because he carried his family values with him, an immigrant father. We didn't talk about his mother, but possibly the same situation. He used to, oh, now there's trouble. Comes in for the last 25 minutes. Typical. You missed I, Dennis Lehane, man. You should have heard, heard Dennis I heard Lane. it while I was sitting in traffic. Oh, he's so great. I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. You got to do what you got to do. But I'll just wrap up this. What, what did you find out, Andy? There what, we are. What did you find out? What I found out about what? How many books he sold? Uh, 10 million. 10 million books. So he's made about 300 million off those books. I don't know. Well, books are uh, books are about 30 bucks. I would I guess. Yeah, that sounds pretty accurate. What do you think, Andy? What do I think about what? How much profit they get from a book? I don't know. The Is publisher it? gets a cut. I'm sure there's yeah. marketing involved. The store has to make Not some money. Yeah, it's yep. impossible to say. There's a lot. There's a lot of hand hand to hand stuff that needs to go on. A lot of overhead, that kind of stuff. Okay. We have, in addition to Officer Dave, we have Doug Sprinthal on the line. Sprinty, Doug. what the hell are you doing? I'm just listening to your show. I've been listening to it all week, and it's uh, it's kind of fun. I thought I'd call in with a couple of. I know Catherine's out of town, so you're glued to the TV. Have you watched White House Plumbers yet? No, I've seen it promoted. You gotta watch it. I mean, you know, I'm old enough that I I remember the Watergate hearings, but I think I was only 13 or 14. I was really far from really understood what was going on. It's scary and it's super funny. Uh, Woody Harrelson is just great. That's what I hear. And these guys, I knew it was kind of a clown show, but I didn't realize they got busted after the fifth attempt to break into the Watergate Hotel, which is the head of the DNC. Uh, for those that are under a million years old, this is a true story about the people that uh, actually are the reason they got caught uh, trying to bug the Democratic headquarters. And this is the reason that Richard Nixon had to resign uh, mm-hmm. instead of getting, getting impeached. It's a true story, but these guys are nuts. You'll, you'll totally dig this, Tom. You'll have so much fun watching it. So uh, what's it called again? White House Plumbers. White House Plumbers. There you go. And there's a great pic- By the way, Woody Harrelson's promo picture for that is very good. He's got this very serious look on his face. And he's got this super weird underbite. It must have been the way he... Oh, really? Is <laughs> <laughs> he Gordon Letty's trying to pick up chicks and bars by holding his hand over an open flame? And I'm, Oh, I'm being- God. The, the best thing about it was my wife, who was younger, that she was two when all this happened... I got to do a whole hour worth of mansplaining to her about what was going on. I said, yeah, G. Gordon Liddy was crazy. He, uh, as a kid, he was scared of lightning, so he lashed himself to a tree in a thunderstorm, and he used to hand, hold his hand over open flames all the time to impress people. And she's like, are you kidding? I said, no, it's true. So why didn't you just come in today if you were going to call in? Uh, well, I've been I've actually been busy. Uh, the I can let the secret out uh, as oh, of good, Monday, good. Uh, the the fifteenth, coming up after this my last weekend of freedom, 
I will again be uh, paying my fair share of uh, taxes to the United States and the state of Minnesota. I've taken a job uh, as the general manager of a small Ford dealership in western Wisconsin. It's in Baldwin, which is about 15 miles across the border. So I can now like you again, Doug, now that you're selling Fords. I know. I, you know the funny thing is, I started my career uh, almost 40 years ago. God dang it, is that hard to say. I know. Um, Selling Fords at Southdale Ford, probably the biggest bunch of criminals I'd ever worked with. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that was back in the, what, the well, they're, early they're 70s. They're all in prison or they're dead. I mean, I, I, I stopped telling stories about Southdale Ford because nobody would believe them. But I actually I learned how to sell cars there a little bit. Uh, oddly enough, Mike Gelfand's father-in-law was the only nice guy in the whole dealership. Really? Bob Geiger, yeah. Um, so I left there and I went to Towsley and, and I really like Towsley Ford, which is now AutoNation. Learned a lot there, and it's kind of it, it's I don't ironic's the wrong word, but it's a full circle. I'm, I started my career selling Fords, and I'm going to finish it doing the same. So I'm super excited about that. That's cool. No, I I growing up in River Falls, I'm pretty familiar with that Baldwin dealership. In fact, after my dad passed away, that's where we sold his truck for or consigned his truck through. Oh, cool. So yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it, it's it's a bit of a drive for me, but I didn't know you were a River Falls guy, Officer Dave. Oh, so yeah. You'll, you'll oh, appreciate this. My wife said, you know, if the if the job works out, we're talking about downsizing. Why don't we just move over to River Falls or Hudson or something, or even P-Town, Prescott. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we're Pres- going to open houses and screwing around and stuff. We found this total science project out in the middle of nowhere. We looked at it Monday, and it's like, yeah, okay, this is too too much. It's the weirdest house in the world. It's been foreclosed, and it was a small house, maybe 2,500 square feet, uh, built in the 70s. And then they added on this huge addition, which was a five-car garage with a great room that's 70 feet long. And like, oh my God! Do do? I don't know that. I don't have that many friends. <laughs> that's the truth, by the way. I know that to be a no. fact. So we're actually looking by a double for a double wide as a. No. <laughs> yeah, there you go. A lot of them are on the the Baldwin Hammond area. You'd be all right. Yep. Yeah. No, it's I'm excited. It, it'll be good to be back to work. I th- I know Tom, you went through this over the winter, and yep. it's kind of funny that we went through similar things about uh, jobs that had been really really stable for a long time. Just all of a sudden, you know, things change, and it's. Uh, I, I really enjoy listening to your morning show. I think it's thank it's, you. It's way better than KQ's been for the last ten, fifteen years. I mean, it's not even close. It's it's true. Well, you sound like you're having a blast. The guests are good. I love Brittany. I think she's great. Um, it's just you know, it's a good deal. So uh, hopefully, I'll have as much success uh, running a Ford dealership as you've had uh, jumping from terrestrial to digital uh, entertainment. Uh, so. Did you ever give the name of the dealership? Yes, it's called Flagship Ford. They've got a Ford dealership there. They also have a Chevy store in Zambroda. And then they've got a couple of deals up in western Michigan. So it's a, Oh, okay. It used to be Anderson right? Ford, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the current owners bought it, and I want to say it was about five or six years ago. So. Okay. You know, I actually asked you that question as kind of a wise-ass thing to do. Because now that you gave the name of it, Pat Eberts is on the phone hitting them up for money. <laughs> there's, there's, Pat's not first in line, just so you know. <laughs> got more a little bit, and it's like, guys, um, I need to find where the bathrooms are and the names of all the people. <laughs> I'm just going to make any radical changes, but 
I actually talked to uh, John Bulow is the the owner of the one of the two partners that own the the group and and actually the one of the reasons that I got the job is he's a Minnesota guy and he's listened to you and I screw around in morning radio for about 15 years oh, and when God. I met him he goes you know I just feel like I should kiss your ring or something this is weird <laughs> oh <laughs> boy please, please don't do that uh, let's let's just be adults about it but he's a good guy he's uh we know a lot of the same people. It's funny that we've really never met before. I'm excited to work for them, and uh, it's going to be cool. Um, I have one other thing to pitch, if that's okay. Oh, here we go. First of all, i got to ask you one quick question. So you only have about a half-hour drive to work anyway? Uh, no, it'll be uh, It's a little over 50 miles from the house. Oh, it is. Okay. Oh, it's okay. it's kind of a haul. But yeah. you're going opposite traffic most of the time. So. Well, kind yeah. of. 35V is always a plugged up in the morning, and then that 494 or the 94 section through Woodbury is all under construction. Now. Oh, so yeah. So but once you hit 94, it's clear sailing. Yeah, yeah, then it's a piece of cake. And we'll be in Hastings, you know, most of the time on the boat. And from there, it's just, you know, right up 61 or yeah. whatever. And it's, yep. a lot, it's a lot easier. So, All right, your next plug. For musicians, especially guitar players in the uh, metro area, my favorite living guitar player uh, is playing tonight, and I think it's a new club in in Uptown called the Green Room. It's like 29th and Gerard or something like that. Oh, really? His name is Greg Cock. He is just a phenomenally gifted electric guitar player, and he's really, really funny. It's just I think he's so funny that I think sometimes people don't understand what a great musician he is. Oh, really? He can play anybody. Um, you know, whether whether it's Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, he can. He's, you know, and he has online videos showing how to, you know, play all these iconic styles. It's a little trio, badass Hammond B3 player from the Twin Cities named Toby Marshall, and his son plays drums. So if you, if you like uh, electric guitar, dazzling electric guitar playing, check out Greg Cock at the Green Room tonight. Sarah and I will be going down there for the show, uh, and I don't think it's very expensive. It's like 15 bucks or something like that. Well, that's nice to hear. Yeah. No question. So you still haven't answered. I would have tried to get Greg on because he is really, really funny. And, and all the guitar players know who he is. I don't know if you remember when we uh, interviewed uh, Davey. Uh, shit, I can't remember his last name. It was before COVID. It was a young English guitar player that Jerry had booked into the New Hope Cinema Grill. And I happened to mention his name. He goes, Greg Cox. He's a friend of mine. He's brilliant. He's the best guitar player in the country. And I said, actually, I think he might be in the world. So, Well, there you have it. That's all I have to say to you is <laughs> there you have it. Now, I, uh, you know, we just, we're just plugging along. I hate the fact that I don't do commercials with you anymore. That was one of my favorite parts of the, of the show, as bad as that show got over the past 10 years. I still love doing those commercials with you because it was so much fun. I know, and you know, and it worked really, really well. I think you and I have talked. I think uh, my previous employer made a huge mistake making that lapse, but it was weird. You know, it was um, very, very weird. I'll never. Well, I, I think somebody was chirping. That's what I think. Yeah. Kodak invented the uh, you know the digital camera, and then decided that they didn't want to develop it because it would hurt their film sales. It's <laughs> a true story. Decisions. No, it's true. It's, uh, I, I will never understand it as long as I live. There's no well. First of all, I don't understand how um, how you change a morning show that's been making you a billion dollars over the past thirty years, thirty five years. 
I don't well, know. They're looking for a tax write-off of some sort. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. some really odd decisions being made right now, and I do believe that social media has a lot to do with it. I, do. I would I agree really with that. I really do. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, social media is terrible, except for when it, you, you make great connections with people you never would have met before. That's the part about it that's still cool. So. Yeah, Actually, I've been selling records. I, I put it, my, we finally got our... our our covers back for our uh, new album that we made. And oh, that's good. And heading off to the uh, post office, Joe Steinhauser was the uh, first person that fell victim to the sales pitch. Well, there you go. So now when are you going to come in studio again? Well, uh, I gotta, I've got actually talked to the owner about possibly bringing back Car Selling Secrets. Uh, what? Um, I'm interested, but it's not for sure, and I'll talk to you about that a little bit more. Give me a week to at least get settled and figure out what the hell's going on. Well, I didn't mean, when are you going to come and make me money? I just meant, when are you going to come <laughs> on the show again? Well, I, you know, I obviously I'd love to do that. It was my, as, as I always told you it was my favorite two or three hours of the week. Yep. Um, so we'll see. Um, we'll see how that works. Um, I don't know at this point, but I would sure love to do it. It was... Uh, and. It was funny. I think it was about four or five years ago that the number of emails and stuff that I got from the podcast surpassed the number that I got from KQ listeners. A lot of it is a Venn diagram. I mean, there's a lot of overlap in those populations. Yeah, yeah there is. Um, but it's, it was, you know, what started out, and quite honestly, the reason that we started on the uh, podcast was it 10 years ago was really yep. just to reinforce the relationship with you and the fact that all of a sudden we started getting more interest from podcast listeners and radio people is like, wow, that's, uh, <laughs> that's you know, true. Well, it's a bonus. And I, you know, you had more foresight than, than I did. I thought, how is this going to last? I, I knew that you and Shelby had about four or five months between you. Just too much power in one room. So <laughs> Shelby's uh, such a great guy. I had no idea that it would have lasted 12 years. It's, uh, yep. it, it, you were right, and I was, you know. Wrong. Again. It's, it's funny. Uh, Yet again. We did that lost episode, your first appearance on the show. Yeah. Uh, that was a couple weeks ago. Um, and at the v- very beginning, the very beginning, you're like, how long have we been working together? And I think that you were like, it's already been four years, I think. Yeah. And now you're up to, what, almost 20? Uh, I think we started in, I don't remember, Andy. It was probably 07 or 08. Yeah, getting close. Fifteen years at least. Year, years. The first year, really, we didn't do the live call and stuff until about ten or eleven. That was we've told that story a million mm-hmm. times. Right. People, but at first they were just sixty-seven pre-records, and they'd go over to Elm Street, and I think the very first one, Tom started laughing, and he goes, "Ah, shit, I'll have to do it again." I said, "No, you won't. We're going to leave that yep. in there. That's the stuff that people like. I don't want them to be perfect. I want to make people lean into mm-hmm. the radio." And that's what was made them really, really fun. Uh, it amazes me that, that that other people tried it and it didn't work. Well, they don't. They're not funny. Yeah, you have to have <laughs> that, charisma in order and, to. And, do and there's it. no, yeah. there's no. Uh, oh God, jeez, I had it. Chemistry. Chemistry. Thank yeah. you, Andy. Yeah, that's you right. do have to have. You can't force chemistry. No, that's you not can't true. pre-write chemistry. Nope. Yeah. The only guy that could get away with that was, oh, shit, it's not Ben Stiller. Who's that guy? 
He was a teacher in Ferris Bueller's day off. Ben Stein. Ben Stiller. Ben Stein, yeah. Oh, Ben Stein. He's the only guy that could get away with zero charisma. He had so little charisma, he actually had charisma. Absolutely (laughs) true, by the way. It was a brand, that's for sure. That's true. I think that's hilarious. Okay, so White House plumbers, I'm going to expect a full report, and any uh, musician fans uh, come out to the green room tonight. I don't know what this club's like, but the prices, the tickets are cheap, and this guy will blow your mind. Looking forward to it. And again, uh, thank you for, what's the name of the Ford dealership again? Flagship. Uh, Flagship Ford in beautiful Baldwin, Wisconsin. And uh, I got, even have my email address. And oddly enough, I talked him into just going Doug at FlagshipFord.com. So Ooh. if you have any questions, please reach out to me. Uh, my previous uh, email address is no longer functional. Let's just say that. <laughs> yes, I can understand that to be the truth. But uh, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to have to take a ride over there with you one of these days or just drive over and see and check it out because uh, I just – what did you say the man's name is that hired you again? John Bulow. John Bulow. John, now, I've heard that name before. Where would I know that name from? He's been in the – he got into the car business uh, about 2000, and he worked uh, He worked for the Luther Organization in corporate uh, okay. motor management, but he, he's, he really comes from more of an accounting background. Uh, than sales and marketing. So I don't, maybe you know him. I don't know. I know his name sounds familiar. The smallest big town in the world. Maybe I'm thinking Bueller. 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 (laughs) Back to Ben Stein. It's a full circle. Yeah, back to Ben Stein. Yeah, the Ford dealership in rural Wisconsin owned by a short Jewish guy. (laughs) Now you're cooking with gas. Now you're All right, Dougie. Well, don't hesitate to call in anytime you want. Lovely to hear from you. Great. Have a great day, guys. Good to talk to you, Officer Dave. Uh, Same to you, Doug. Doug. Doggy. Take Doug's care of yourself. I will be 100% honest with you. That, that's the one thing about this whole deal just blowing up. Because, again, Paul Walzer said the one thing you never want to do is get rid of that, that whole deal with Doug and Tom. And then, of course, they did it. Um, and that's their, they own the business. It's their business. You do what you want to do. But I will never understand it as long as I live. Some people think they know more than what works. I guess. It just was such a brilliant campaign put together by Dougie. Uh, It just amazes me. Yeah. No. Whatever. Totally get it. But amazes me you took a 30-share radio station and destroyed it, too. But, you know, I I don't understand people anymore. I'm very honest with you about this. I do not understand people anymore at all. Welcome to my world. Yeah, I suppose. Well, being a (laughs) cop, it must be a real thrill. (laughs) I would imagine, no question about it. I just, holy God. I'm just looking at the headlines from the Minneapolis-St. Uh, Paul area. They're not very positive, I will tell you that. Uh, stimulus check update, that's pretty good. People in Minneapolis are getting a $500 check, is that Ooh. correct? But is it only Minneapolis? You have to be a it's resident. It's only like a couple hundred people in Minneapolis. Oh, it's only a couple it's hundred? A, it's a pilot for a universal basic income program. Oh, I see. Okay. So, which means our taxes are about to go way the hell up. So you and I don't get a check, though? Nope. Damn it. Uh, man charged with stabbing girlfriend's 12-year-old son. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you. If I dated a woman with a 12-year-old, I probably wouldn't stab him. What if he deserved it? Well, it's a different kettle of fish right there. Ten pounds of cocaine, cash seized in Hennepin County. So did you have to deal much with that drug seizure? You know, I did uh, to a small extent. Mine was never ten pounds. Yeah, that's Um, a whole lot. That's a lot. That's like regional distribution. (laughs) Yeah, you're, you're, you're charged with distribution on that one. But it was just... 
you know, I'd find I'd find little bits of crack or something. Never. I I remember one kid I stopped. He had a a mason jar full of, and not just the little pint jar. It was the big quart jar. Oh yeah, full of weed. And like, you gonna mm. smoke all that? Yeah, right. You're gonna smoke all that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Come on, really? And, you know, even the dumb little town I worked, there was, you'd still run into all the, the crap. The heroin, we had a very prolific heroin user lived oh, in really? town. Really? Um, but somehow, fortunately, knock on wood, I never had to uh, administer Narcan. You never I'd did? Al- I'd that always good. just be able to dodge it somehow. I did more than my fair share of CPR. Is but, it true there's so many drugs being done today? They sell uh, Narcan in in. They're giving it away. They're giving it away. They're giving it away. Oh my God! Yeah, that's some drug use right yep. there, man. It's you know, you, you could walk into I'm sure any city inner any inner city pharmacy and get Narcan. That's what I understand. Right, just handed to you. Teen takes plea deal and violent assault of trans woman at Minneapolis LRT station. How involved do you get? You're standing at a light rail transit system, and you notice there's a woman who you don't think is a woman, so you go over and assault her. You don't know that's what happened. What? Do you, what? <laughs> that's exactly what the headline states. Mm, always trust headlines, right? <laughs> so what do you think I should do? I don't know. Don't trust anything. Don't read headlines. Well, I'm just trying to cover the news, make sure Assume if someone's in Minneapolis, then they had They're going to get beat up. <laughs> oh, you guys are so sweet. That's all I have to yeah, there's say. A reason. I lived there for years, and I left, and I left for a reason. Yeah, I know. I loved your place there. I know. It was a really... Well, being able to walk two blocks to work every day was pretty nice. Oh, I bet you that was terrific. Yep. No question about it. I, I don't know whatever. But it's just but. it's not livable anymore, and that's things like that are one of them. When when my daughter started looking for places, she says South Minneapolis. I'm like, no, mm, nope. no, no, no. Sorry, maybe in 20 years if they clean it up again. She says it's uptown. I says I don't care. No, uptown's not good right now. No, no, uptown's doing very badly. As a former police officer, do you think they'll ever be able to clean this up, or is it too far gone? Now? No, I think they would be able to, but it's they have to get. Hire three hundred more cops, and they yeah. have to. Well, it's a thing you can clean up anywhere. Yeah, it just you have to be willing to. Yeah, that's the and you know. Everybody said that that Minneapolis had that ordinance where it was illegal to spit on the sidewalk. Right. They took that away. Well, that that took a lot of people off the street because you'd find the guy who'd spit on the sidewalk, and by gosh, all of a sudden here he's got three warrants. Really? Oh, yeah. You'd, you'd find oh, those Jesus. all the time. I didn't know that. And it's just, you know, the guys that I talk to that work there, it's like you'd, you, could get a, you could get a guy with a couple of warrants off just from off the street just from spitting on the sidewalk. Why was it illegal to spit on the sidewalk? Well, I'm sure this, that's probably one of those archaic rules from way oh, from back. Way back, okay. The 1900s when, you know, you, everybody had a big old wad of chew or something mm, in there. Well, that is like, gross. That should be illegal. Is. I, I would have to agree with Andy that don't. Why can't you just spit in the uh, in the the, in the gutter, gutter. Yeah, or well. spit on the on the grass or whatever? Don't spit on the sidewalk. Yeah, I was literally walking walking into Fleet Farm up in Brooklyn Park one day, and a guy was leaning on the garbage can, had his elbow on top of the you know the little silo garbage cans. Yeah, they sure. Have. Yep, yep. He's literally got his elbow on there. He takes a Swisher Sweet, unwraps it, and throws the wrapper on the floor. 
mm. on the Why? ground. Why? And I just looked at him. I'm like, really? You're leaning on the garbage. <laughs> Because I'm the type of guy that's I'm the type of guy that's gonna say something. You know, yeah, I'm not afraid too. of too many people. And it's like, really, you're leaning on the garbage can. <laughs> and I, what he is just, that? Well, I mentioned the Disney World um, trash can uh, spacing rule before, right? Oh, I think so. They yeah, they did yeah. a study to see how long people would go before they just dumped their trash on the ground, mm-hmm. and they found it was 30 steps. 30. And this yep. guy didn't even have to take a step. This he literally guy had zero just steps for him. <laughs> Negative one steps. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. Thanks for coming. You got to come in sometime when you can do the whole hour. Though. Well, I, yeah, my Fridays are pretty much wide open nowadays. Except for this morning. Except for this one morning. You're disastrous. I totally failed. No I'm... question about it. <laughs> Andy, what do you got planned? Uh, Mother's Day stuff. That's true. Mother's Day mm-hmm. stuff. We got, we got three Mother's Days now. Oh, wow. Well, we got my mom. My wife and my wife's mom. There you oh, go. There you go. Yeah, we got, I kind of surreptitiously had the kids, they we're all going to come to church on Sunday to surprise mom. And my wife is, well, we could go to church Saturday night. Nope, we're going to church Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go Sunday no, morning. No, no, you no, want to no, go on no. Sunday morning? That's hilarious. Yeah. So if she doesn't know, and since she doesn't listen to the podcast, I'd probably be okay. You'll but be now, okay. now I'll get home and she'll be like, really? They're all coming to church with us? Oh. So, all right, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.